Welcome to the Fezoro Podcast. No telling what you might find. Listen in on talks and discussions ranging from dream analysis to spiritual or psychological topics to some other things. Soak in the good vibes and thanks for joining us. You taught me how to speak, showed me what to eat, yeah, you gave me lots of friends. You showed me fire burns, you taught me tables turn, now I'm turning on the heat. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Thank you for joining us for episode four, mischievously entitled, Sorry Racism. This episode of the Fazoro podcast is a group effort that came about very organically. It wasn't my idea. I'm in this ethics class, and our final project was to present on how a religion deals with an ethical matter in our society. The Baha'i faith was suggested, but not by me, though I was excited by the idea. We chose race relations as the ethical topic, since it is a cardinal principle of the Baha'i faith, and since the Baha'i faith has a unique perspective on race. We chose to interview Juliet and Adam Crossley. Juliet is African-American, Adam Crossley is white. My family has been closely tied to Juliet since before we were born, and her mother and father were among some of the early interracial couples of the South. In a nutshell, the Baha'i position on race is that racism can't survive true integration on the level of family and community. This is a social and not a political dynamic, and really, I would say, strikes to the heart of what Martin Luther King was really talking about in his I Have a Dream speech. It's one thing to have laws that support progress in society, and we all know how incredibly vital and important that is. The death blow to racism, however, we feel won't be dealt until the races really unite, and interracial marriages, therefore, is something the Baha'i faith promotes and encourages and celebrates. We feel like interracial mutual respect is not nearly enough. What's really called for as an antidote for the ills of our society is interracial love and friendship. Really, we have to become family, both metaphorically and often enough literally. Just by way of example, My own family is interracial, my wife being Chinese. That fact on its own really gives me a tendency not to have knee-jerk reactions to negative sentiments about China culturally, politically, or ideologically. All I have to do is look into my son's eyes, and I receive an automatic level of patience and respect for people across the ocean. As a metaphor extending to that, I really come to try to believe that all people across all oceans are my own family. The classmates in my study group at Belmont University who participated in this project are Jamie Gray, Lauren Callahan, Mackenzie Smith, and Taylor Zabraki. Lauren and Taylor were able to join me during the interview at Adam and Juliet's. Anyways, I I know that you're going to find Juliet and Adam to be really charming and uh, enjoyable people with great senses of humor, and it's really hard not to like them. Without further ado, let's enjoy the interview. So do you guys have something you would like to discuss, like an impromptu uh, discussion about, (laughs) you know, like history Are you guys both Baha'i? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And from Baha'i families both. Yeah, so we both were raised in Baha'i families. Mm -hmm. um, Mm Mm-hmm. Separate parts of the world. Yeah. So I, I was born in California. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is African American. My dad's white. And then when I was a year and a half old, we moved to Costa Rica. And so I grew up in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. And I lived there until I was like 19. I was there like awesome. my whole life. Wow. And then moved up to the States to go to college. So my experience was really different than a lot of people mm-hmm. probably that just grew up here in the States because of the context and the history and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So hmm. so we've had a list. We can talk a little bit about that about because there's been some experiences where we've had together where have been new for both of us where we're oh. like, 
this is interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I how so? Well, because so because I grew up in Costa Rica, I there this like sort of racial history and mm. experiences that most African Americans have in the United States. I didn't have any of those. As oh, a matter of wow. fact, I didn't even know. Really, they didn't tell you. I didn't know. I didn't experience it ever. I mean, we had we had cable TV down there. We watched shows and mm-hmm. stuff, and so I knew. The history of the U.S., but I never experienced it. Oh, yeah. um, so in Costa Rica, you're saying you did not experience racial discrimination. No. You were appreciated for who yeah, you are. Yeah, right? the the prejudices that that they have in probably a lot of the Latin American, mm. American cultures, countries, it's like this. But in Costa Rica, it's it's like a social prejudice, like social classes. So mm. there's a lot of prejudice between like wealthy and and poor people, and that's the prejudice. But it's not that a racial exists, thing. But there's not this kind of racial. Thing like there is here. I never experienced this racial prejudice, and then because I grew up in a Baha'i family, and a lot of the community that I was involved with were Baha'is, and they were Costa Rican Baha'is, but also like Baha'is from all over the world that had sort of like gone there, and mm-hmm. and so there was a, an acceptance. So I never mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. racism until I moved to the states when I was nineteen. And I was like, oh, wow. this is <laughs> this is really interesting. Oh, yeah, Is so your mom from here? Yeah, my mom Did she grow up here? My mom and dad are both from Texas. Oh, mm-hmm. And they um they met in California and then mm-hmm. they, they got married there in the sixties. So they had their own you know, if, if you're able to, to talk with them, I'm sure they'll have their own um mm-hmm. stories which they it was not easy time for them. Well, you could like, maybe share with us a little bit about that because that's a historical yeah, background I, too. I don't know mm-hmm. a lot of their like first hand experiences, but I know for sure that the, given the nature of the history of like when they got married like it was not long after schools were desegregated I mean it was still like yeah. we're talking about like maybe five years so yeah. there was really a lot of tension and then um, and then I know that there was some some kind of tension within their families too I mean ultimately mm-hmm. my dad's family my mom's family like accepted their marriage yeah. and like they loved them and like you know it was great we always saw our grandparents it was like a lot of unity but in the beginning mm-hmm. I know there was a little bit like my, my parents my grandparents were a little bit like hmm you're gonna marry this guy I know there was a little bit of that I just don't know all the history so um, I actually asked your dad did, about that oh cool yeah. so you can enlighten um, me a little bit I asked him a couple years ago actually um, and he told me that he said for my parents he said the idea, he said it wasn't that they were so opposed to it. He said it never occurred to them in a million years. He said the idea of an interracial marriage was a completely alien concept, he said. Wow. They were completely blindsided by it. Wow. And um, now my assumption is it, might, it probably wouldn't have occurred to him either, right. except for the influence of the Baha'i faith, yeah. because there's so much of that is a, so much a part of the dialogue in this religion. Absolutely. You know? There's almost like the 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 Baha'i community and the views in the Baha'i community are so like the complete opposite of the culture that we're living in this historical mm-hmm. culture. So, growing up as Baha'is, I, for example, like when we were thinking of like who we like oh you know who we thought was cute or who we mm-hmm. wanted to date or whatever you know or like who we want to marry, it was always like preferable. For them to be totally different, then mm-hmm. like that was always what people were wanting. Like, oh, my friend married yeah. this Chinese guy, or my, you know, it was always like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, people want to expand their mm-hmm. just diversity, which yeah. is really cool. So that exists in, in the Baha'i faith. It's just it's really completely cool. different than yeah. <laughs> than the sort of the society that we're living in that mm-hmm. now we see is changing. You know, mm-hmm. it's we notice this all the time. Like having lived in Nashville in 98 and then we both moved away and then we've moved back and we see how Nashville has changed mm-hmm. you know how diverse it is now and most of the families that we see are mixed fa- like literally more than 50% of the families that we see are, when we go and take our kids out to parks and stuff are all mixed we're always like oh, there's a mixed kid or a mixed mm-hmm. family or a mixed couple we're like this is so cool like Nashville oh, cool. is yeah. really really changing so it's yeah. nice to see awesome. that you know just the unity and that diversity that's it's it's happening so mm-hmm. yeah makes me makes me happy for Martin Luther King because he yeah. he, he called it out and he made and he made the ultimate sacrifice for it you know that was what he mm-hmm. was hoping Absolutely. we would be able to experience yeah. 
and uh, so it's really heartwarming to think that he didn't die in vain, you know. So. Yeah, he was definitely ahead of his time with the vision. Yeah, and it's just like a prophecy because back <laughs> then, I mean, I'm sure people thought, "Oh, you crazy," you know, right. you yeah. crazy person. You know? yeah. People couldn't picture it, but he could. He could picture it, you know. And he said, "It's gonna happen. This is gonna happen." <laughs> yeah, whenever we see like a mixed kid or a mixed family, we say. Sorry, racism. Yeah, right? <laughs> sorry. 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 Oops. <laughs> Too late. Too late. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that, so this, like, you know, when I moved to the States and I realized that there was this racial thing that I had kind of known about but never experienced, and, and then I experienced it in both sides, like, from both sides of the spectrum, like, on the African-Americans kind of didn't really, I didn't feel like they really sort of, like, accepted me. And not all, not like in a generalization, but in certain situations, like I would even, I had friends of mine call me, oh, you're just a mud, oh, she doesn't get this joke, uh-huh, she's not really black, uh-huh, like that, uh-huh. yeah, and then on That's the, a little condescending. Yeah, thing. so a little bit of that, and then a little bit, of course, you know, yeah. this, this uh, being treated a certain way just based on how you look, like, yeah. Yeah. you know. And <clears throat> those certain experiences that we've both noticed or have come to recognize would be less shocking to you if you had grown up in oh, this yeah. country. Totally. Like, oh, that's, that's just the norm. Totally. Do you want to, like, explain some of these experiences or, or no? You yeah, no, no, we should, like, we should share some of these experiences. So, um, so before we got married, you know, I would experience things like, um, just, like, people giving you dirty looks or that kind of thing when you walk into a store oh yeah or or like I've had people say to me when I when I was buying something and this is you know not it like just purchasing something in, in, a, in the cashier being like oh you know this isn't on sale right oh no yeah I know oh but we don't accept coupons okay yeah no I'm I don't need coupons and really? it's okay that it's not on sale like but you know that kind of thing where they just assume that oh, you must be on welfare, or you must be... Like, there's just an assumption that's made, and so so I experienced that. I, I mean, I had experienced that, and so, you know, it, it's And you weren't wearing, like, tattered clothing no, and stuff. No, like, no. And it's so interesting because um, I, it was really hard for me to deal with. And, yeah. Mm, yeah. and then, like, Adam and I, you know, we've, we've dealt with a lot together, but, but man... It, some things really are difficult for me to handle and I see people like Michelle Obama that say like they're so graceful and that you know that have been that say like oh things like when we when they go low we go high and like it resonates with people and people persevering with this like grace and I'm just like man how are they doing this because this is crazy that this that people can experience this on a daily basis like it's just amazing to me and then together, like when we're out with our kids, people will talk, like we'll come up to us and I mean, we've got twins. So of course, it's like always, you know, uh, a lot of attention, you know. Like, How old are they? They're almost three. Oh. And so when people see twins, they're just like, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. So people will like walk up to us. It happens <laughs> all the time. Every day, you know, we've got like a few people that will come and it's so sweet, you know, and they ask about the like how old they are or whatever and just want to look at them and be like oh how do you tell apart and stuff like that but it's interesting they'll come up to Adam and they'll be talking to him they won't even look at me they'll just be talking to him and be like oh yeah and I'm just like standing there and they don't even I'm just, look I'm only the mother yeah they don't look at me they don't ask me questions and like it's happened a few times yeah. and so we look at each other like <laughs> it's weird yeah it's it? weird it's surreal um, but Adam you know he'll like Say or we'll both say hi to yeah, somebody we'll walking hi. past, and mm-hmm. they won't they won't say hi to you. And you got tell me the Costco thing that was funny. With um, which where did I get? Oh yeah, we were walking past. Well, Juliet was pushing girls in a cart, and I was walking next to her on her right, and these two ladies passed Juliet, so close to her, mm-hmm. and they were like, they looked at me and said, "Where did they get their curls?" <gasps> 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 And these children oh. look, you know, they, mixed. They, yeah, they, they look they like mixed kids. I mean, you know, as a father of half Chinese kids, yeah. I've experienced the same thing, and I'm completely oh. confused by it because to me, it's like 
I don't want to say you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, my kids are clearly mixed. Like they, yeah. they, they look so Chinese, mixed, but they have brown hair. And, such, right and your kids, and they have brown hair, so they're such clearly a good mix. Like they're clearly mixed. They favor you a lot. Right, Taylor, you said, Chinese. They tell, favor you a lot. So what yeah, happens is Taylor, tell Juliet what you just said. I was like, they look just like you. Yeah, right. So they, they, they do, and that's why I was thinking maybe if they looked more like him, it would make sense why they talk to him more because maybe yeah. they think like they're I don't know, your kids. They, they, they just can't. They can't compute. They, compute. These yeah. people are actually married and they actually they, have children. Yeah. Like maybe they don't know it's yeah, possible. I'm curious, how old are these people typically? Are they like yeah. older generation? Yeah, generally, but sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes there's there's yeah. some young people. Yeah, like but generally they're like forty. Yeah, 40 yeah, plus. that makes sense. No, it's just shocking that they can't figure yeah, it out. Yeah, and you see a, a child times, that's clearly mixed. Are these not the parents? And I mean, they, I think that it's what? so subconscious, like they don't even recognize yes. that they're doing yeah. it. So I really malicious. believe that because they just don't get it. Yeah. But then there's some people that I see. <laughs> oh, and I'm yeah, quick yeah. to tell you that I see them, and they look at us as we're walking by, and I notice, and they're like. What? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's just so odd that like today. Yeah. I know, right? Uh-huh. It's so it's... amazing. Yeah, so those are some of the I can't I mean there's there's a bunch of experiences that we've had, but but it's interesting to be experiencing that and to be Baha'is because mm-hmm. the the Baha'i teachings which we explain that like religion is all one that these religions, the truth is, is all the same from these religions. So whatever path you're on, you're moving towards one God. Mm-hmm. And Abdu'l-Baha says, um, do not be content with showing friendship in words alone. Let your heart burn with loving kindness for everyone who crosses your path. So like I keep telling myself, like we just have to love love people and mm-hmm. like look beyond their 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 prejudices and and just love them in spite of themselves like love them for the sake of god and and focus on their good qualities and so that's what we like try to remind ourselves to do it's it's hard yeah. but ultimately if you kind of like kill them with kindness which you know we do that a lot when we yeah. see people that are like we'll be like oh well, hi how are you <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we really like go out and say <laughs> like, hi and you know really loving and it makes yeah. it hard for people to just you can see them kind of like, yeah. sort of their... They want you to fight back with yeah. them so they can justify, they can justify their, their yeah. attitudes. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, you know... I Those like... things have a higher frequency yeah. of happening when you're black in this country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Getting true. Getting pulled over for absolutely no reason just seems to happen more often oh, yeah. when you've got more than a mild tan it's going true. on. It's you know? true. Has that happened so. to you? I'm not. That, well, you're I'm in not, I was in a fender bender. I haven't gotten pulled over... Uh, for, for like nothing but I was again it seems like it always happens but I, I was in this fender bender like a month ago and uh, long story short this this car was going to make a left turn out of a shopping center and you know there's these center turning lanes so you can just kind of turn into the center turning lane yeah. and wait for these cars to clear so that you can get on so she instead of going into the turning lane she stopped in the middle of the of oh, the, the road. Two lanes of and when she traffic. pulled out, I just assumed she's going to pull out. So I pulled out, and when she stopped, I hit her. Oh, and so, oh. you know, we pulled over, and oh, she was not happy with me. You know, oh. she um, got out of the car, and she didn't want to even give me her information. I said, I need your insurance information. And so, and she said, You don't need my insurance. Like, you know, and again, I'm thinking maybe she's just frustrated, or maybe this is like, I, you know, I have to like, ask myself that sometimes like maybe this is like a thing like she's feeling awkward because of how I look or something. That must be really stressful to never know. Like, <laughs> to never know. Are they yeah, doing this because of that? Yeah, or is it you just this? never know. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, we waited a long time for a, a police officer to come. And when he came, he, we were both parked here. He parked his car right behind hers and she immediately got out of her car and went up to him and started talking and they were talking. So I... I, f- I felt like I needed to get over there to like make sure yeah. I don't like I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I want to make sure that clearly I hit her from behind, so I'm going to be at fault for this accident. I already knew that, but I wanted to kind of explain yeah. the the gist of what was happening. So, so I walk, I start to walk over there, and before I can, I just said, "Excuse me, officer." He said, "Excuse me, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. You need to go stand over there. Oh, go stand over there and wait for me." Like he said it like that. Wow. I was like, Whoa. I said, "No, no, I I don't want to argue. I just want to no." Just go stand over there. And I was like, okay. So I just went and stood over there and I was like, 
wow. <laughs> he just he just thought I was coming to to dispute, and I was just like, excuse me, officer. And yeah. he just put me in my place. And so then they were, you know, they were kind of <laughs> chatted up. You could tell they were kind of, uh, you know, they're like she was, they were friendly with each other. He's like writing stuff down and listening to her. And then after like 15 minutes, mm. he, it was a long time, he came over and he's like, and then he saw that, again, he saw the kids in the back because I had my, I had to open the yeah. doors to our, my, to our minivan because when I walked away, our girls were like, Mama, where are you going? They were screaming, freaking out that I was leaving. So I opened the door so they could see me. So when he came back and walked over, he saw <laughs> the girls. He said, oh. He said, oh, you got twins. They're twins. I said, yeah. He said, oh, wow. And it's just like, he said, I am so sorry that I, he said, sorry. He's like, I'm sorry that I, that I just, you know. Oh, wow was um you know really firm but i just didn't want it to turn into an argument i said oh no i i'm sorry your officer i just want you to know i wasn't you know i, I didn't mm. want to argue or anything like that i just wanted to make sure that you had all the story um and so he said okay so what happened so i explained you know from my perspective what wow. happened and everything but that was it but he just mm-hmm. i was like okay and see you know i I wasn't ra- like again because I wasn't raised here. I don't have this mentality of going to a situation that I'm going to be treated differently. Mm. So when it happens, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm living in this world that I <laughs> that's like a that I'm not used to sort of getting these reactions. I have to remind myself that. And I, I would think in that situation, many of the African American women that I know are very strong-willed, can, can be, um, intimidating, <laughs> intimidating when, when they're, when they have to be, or mm-hmm. when they feel that mm-hmm. they need to be, so he's probably expecting yeah. you oh, to yeah. be that same way. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, that if, makes sense. That makes sense. again, <clears throat> the women who grew up in this country had to become, put all, all kinds of psychological oh, armor. yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's like he's he had already. It's hard to do. It's hard to be nice in the you. face of that kind of. Yeah. I I get really hurt when people get cross with me because I think Juliet and I have a similar nature in that yeah. <laughs> we don't have a confrontational, uh, you know, instinct, and I don't ever like to be mean or harsh to people. And when I'm forced to do that, I really hate to have to. Yeah, do it. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But I hate having to do that. Yeah. You know. And Juliet is like always nice, you know, and so it's, I think it's very painful when somebody is treating you like an enemy, right. when that is not like, what I'm not about. That is not yeah. what I'm about. No, yeah. please don't treat me like an enemy. What's that like though from like your point of view? Mm. Like as a husband, just like your Well, these experiences, like, these, these couple that she was just talking yeah. about, I wasn't there to, to experience it. Right. It and it would have, you know, of course it hurts to to hear what she's yeah. what she goes through. And of course it's 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 part of my life yeah. every day because this is what we chose, you know, we, we love each other and so it's like okay, so what can we what can how can we be so that people can look at us and not think whatever they're gonna think. You yeah. know, it's like And then I feel like well what we've talked about also is that we recognize that our marriage is an example Mm-hmm. And is a symbol mm-hmm. of like um, mm-hmm. of advancement, really, mm-hmm. like a, an example of unity. And so, recognizing that, we we feel a certain responsibility to even mm-hmm. be really kind and loving. Like it just makes it even more where you really want to. <laughs> you're trying to live a standard, you know that that so that when people see you, they they feel optimistic and and. Rather than like, I don't know. No, when I see a mixed couple, like it makes me like excited. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I just I'm like me too. I think <laughs> I think for like what you're saying, like Martin Luther King, like I'm just really happy, and I'm like I wish he could see this. You know? Yeah. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Do you think they pick up? I mean, they're still really young. Do you think that they're like picking up on the things that are happening? Just with like when you're out and like those situations happen, like do they ask you questions? Like, um, why was that person like looking at us weird? Like, why? They haven't asked, started asking questions like that. I mean, I don't know. Have you heard questions? No, but, but they're what definitely... Elsie said to you... Oh, yeah. A For few totally weeks ago. That. That's right. Yeah. So, I... Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's literally, like, answers and like, your question. Also, like, you being from Costa Rica, like, not experiencing this, they're going to have, like, a different mm-hmm. take on, like, how they're mm-hmm. treated and, like, grow up and not saying they're going to grow up, like, how. 
other mm-hmm. like african-american women have but like that's also like something that could happen yeah. you know but then also i'm thinking about your faith and i'm like wait where is like how is this gonna roll out <laughs> yeah it's that's exactly what we think about too and then you talk about traveling i'm like that's good that's good like, yeah how? yeah like, and you know what's as much as like are as kids can be exposed to other kids and yeah. cultures and races and social classes and things like that i think we see it all the time like kids play and they don't like they're not they're not seeing these differences and divisions. Right. There's this really cute story, actually. What was viral. the thing Elsie said? Oh, so yeah. So what Elsie said, she said, she said to me, I can't remember like what was happening, but she said, Mama, you're dark, or something like that. And I said, and, I, right. and, I was, and she said, you're black. And I was like, that's, I'm thinking I stopped because I was like, <laughs> I'm like, where has she heard this? Because it's like, yeah. Because, like, if she's looking color-wise, like, black is so, is this, you know what I mean? So this idea that black is, like, this, like, a dark-skinned person. She's so got that, a race concept. Yeah, like a race concept. So oh, I was I, like, I didn't know what to say. Three? Yeah. Oh. And I didn't know what to say, so I said, well, honey. And I was like, look. And she, like, put her, I said, look at your arms. She put her arm next to me. I said, <laughs> it's like a car- we're like caramel. Or I said, I'm like a caramel color. And, and then Emma said, yeah, mama, like me, like the caramel. And I said, yeah. But it's, but that was, yeah, I did, I was like, oh my gosh, like, where did she hear this? But then I remember we were at the, at the park one day and this little African-American girl, we were, I was pushing, Mm. it was just me and the girls. And so I was pushing them in these like swings side by side. And this girl came up and said, you darker than them, you, you darker than them or something like that. She was like this little little brown girl she's probably like out of six or something and i said yeah or something like that but she said i love how kids talk you know they absorb everything like they usually one time so So in other words she is processing and it's coming in doesn't necessarily consciously have specific ideas but she's starting to ask the question started talking kind of recently too right no they've been talking for a while really i thought kids start talking like well end of two they're they're no. they're pretty bright. They're like they wow. they're like little people. They're having these conversations now, talking about them. They're like, <laughs> holy moly! So yeah. So but yeah. In like in your faith, mm-hmm. how like is there a way to deal with racism? Like, is it written anywhere, or is it like laid out in the? That's good. Of a church or what, really is, good what is the building? What. And this is a very broad question, and you know our faith is, is it's an interesting question to think about. What what does the faith say about race? Historically, what has it done, and how does how does it what is its response to race relations in the modern context? And I, and to to seed that conversation, I would say that for me, um, just the 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 large number of Baha'is that marry interracially and the attitudes that they have because of the teachings which you've expressed many of them and I certainly experienced them in my household mm-hmm. in terms of what you how you encounter and how you deal with racism that in a sense is its ethical and social activist response to race is that you take people as family whether you intermarry or not it's not like you're supposed to marry interracially but it's like the guidance is is that it's something that should be encouraged and should be honored and celebrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great um, error to ever discourage it. You know, mm-hmm. that culture is something that's deeply felt and it's so old in the history. Like back when segregation was very strongly the law in the South and very strongly the norm in the North. But Abdul Baha, you know, a hundred years ago, I guess came to this country and said, you are not permitted to have uh, segregated uh, services and you're not allowed to have segregated communities. And that literally, until, uh, until segregation ended, I've heard so many stories from our parents' generations of people being in physical danger because they were breaking the law left and right all throughout the South. In fact, Abdu'l-Baha, when he came to this country, he's the son of Baha'u'llah who's the founder of this religion. 
uh, Abdu'l-Baha, he actually arranged a marriage between a prominent white and black Baha'i. And they didn't know each other well, but he knew their character. And he said, I know that you guys will have a good and a happy marriage. And it would make me happy if you guys would marry each other. And I'm like, what do you do? (laughs) They had a wonderful marriage. They were incredible. And, you know, always on the run because they couldn't even live in the same house. Very difficult. What was this? This was uh, Louis Gregory and his wife. Yeah, no, but what, like what time? Uh, this was 1912 yeah, to 1914. That that's, yeah, I mean, that's... Wow. So for us, yeah. you know, when you look at culturally, the standard was set very early for us mm-hmm. that our way is distinct from the way that the outside world is going to live. And, you know, things that I wonder about from your perspective as a black woman is... I know that Baha'is are susceptible to all of the illnesses that exist in the rest of the world. I'm capable of racial prejudice. You know, everybody is. There is, though, something about the Baha'i faith where there's some very wonderful, very precious relief from that on some kind of a deep level. And again, it's not absolute. But my formative memory, because of the history of this faith, I have black cousins from my youngest memories. And by the way, it happens that my sister, I love her now, but she was a mean person when I was growing <laughs> up, right? And it was my black cousin, Naime, that was just in her face defending me, right? Aww. So that, having the opportunity to have formative memories, it's like you said. It's like, sorry, racism. You know, yeah. There's no way for it to get very deep into my heart Mm -hmm. because if I'm ever challenged with that, a very powerful memory of Naime getting in my sister's face and, you know, loving me with courage, you know, and risking like, you know, not falling in line and conforming because my sister would get the other cousins to gang up on me, but Naime wouldn't have it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I have this counter charm that protects me from a lot of the illness. (laughs) That, that's in the hearts of people. Yeah. And so, and I have to remember that. And when I see racism, I have to have a little bit of compassion because it's mm-hmm. got to be hard yeah. growing up, never always hearing poisonous things yeah. about mm-hmm. the out group, mm-hmm. whatever that is, whether it's somebody else's right. religion or somebody else's race or, yeah. you know, or some other culture yeah. or, you know, mm-hmm. immigrants or whatever. It's got to be hard to grow up with that kind of thing in your heart you know I, I keep thinking about the beautiful things that Christ said so many things and one of the things that was on my mind tonight was just uh, he says that in my house something to the effect in my father's house there are many mansions it's an interesting yeah. metaphor right yeah. that his house is so big that there are many mansions inside his house in God's house that's how big God's hospitality is you know that's so beautiful you know and there is something uh, spiritually that that the Baha'i faith was able to a- acquire some of that spirit. And yeah. mm. it exists in other religions, too. Uh, and, and fundamentally, like, that is absolutely uh, the, the, the message of Christ, I'm convinced. But for the Baha'is in this country, it's been so beneficial that from an early historical period for us, we... We got to enjoy this sense. You know, it's like we, Baha'is will sometimes mention that like Baha'u'llah states that the world is one country and mankind its citizens. And he talks about human beings as being one family. I don't think, I, t- I tend to take, you know this because you're in my class and you hear me ask questions and stuff, that I take a lot of stuff in religion as metaphor. I presumably, I don't know, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, I think, might be metaphor. But things like that, I think, are absolute truths. Mm-hmm. I think that the world is one country. We're just, our laws haven't caught up with that. Yeah. I think humanity is one family. Mm-hmm. And our, our cultures haven't caught up with that fact. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is, this is an absolute literal truth. And then many on many levels. On many levels. Because spiritually, for sure, but then in so many other ways that for every spiritual truth, there's this 
also physical reality. Corollary. Genetically, we have the same heritage. And then you think of just like financially, mm-hmm. something happens around the world, everybody feels it. Yeah. Pandemics, like every in every sense of the world, like we are so that connected. Affects everyone. That's what was his name was talking about. Who's the guy who came to talk to us? Faryan, the Baha'i. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He came and spoke. That's so cool. He was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting how he was saying like Mm -hmm. we've had more peace in the past like twenty years, Mm -hmm. I think, than we have in a really long time. I know. I mean, like the media makes it seem like that's not true at all, Mm -hmm. because obviously they want to hype things up. But like that's really interesting, and how he's saying you know with technology, like we're moving further towards like becoming one and now all our economies are connected so true so we won't go to war because if one does then everybody goes down Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh my god (laughs) you're right that gave me a lot to think of because i didn't think about that either i was like telling my parents about the silver easter break and they're like whoa we're taking you out of that school (laughs) (laughs) school. (laughs) It's a it's true so Christian school. Do you know how much I love Belmont? I love so Belmont too. Yeah, you were telling yeah. me. I really do. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And it's mostly white people, the nicest freaking white people that I've ever <laughs> I've traveled the world. <laughs> yeah. The teachers are just enlightened yeah. beings, you know? They're I know, just I love wonderful. They're true teachers. Christians. Yeah, no, the the Christianity has the largest number still in the whole world. Um, and it is the I think the most widespread, the most widespread religion. religion yeah. What surprised me was that he said that the Baha'i faith is the second most mm-hmm. widespread religion. And I was like, really? Uh, and I know that oh. the last time I checked, which was 20 years ago, because these are the... Faryab and I think a lot alike. We're close friends, he and I. Um, and so we often look at the same information, but I, I remember that Islam was the second most widespread religion. And now Baha'i But the Baha'i faith is... And our numbers are still very tiny. But again, because... The genetics of our culture are so interested in cultivating diversity that the way that it grows, it tends to grow very diversely. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. this is a really good time like for the Baha'i faith because I feel like this like time in our generation socially, like everyone's yeah. starting mm-hmm. to see all these issues and like how we all should be one. Yeah. Kind of and I feel like yeah. I feel like it's gonna gain a lot of followers. I definitely felt lucky in terms of, well, as a, as a kid growing up, mm. I had friends across the board. I was going to say, yeah, you yeah. did. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're raised and we're, we come to understand mm. socially that we're all created equally, mm. no matter what. Mm. So it's like, you know, I'm not seeing colors, I'm just making, I'm just making mm. friends and then and then in terms of um, the Baha'i faith, the Baha'i faith itself, you think about how diverse it is. Do you find that like people of Baha'i faith are like walking it out? Or is I think it for the, the most part. Of, like, I think know, for the I, most part, yeah. I definitely feel it's so different. I don't. It's it's just a really yeah. interesting. It's hard to compare. It's hard to compare because <clears throat> you know if I if we were gonna go travel to like. Chile, for example, or wherever, Peru or something, and we didn't know anybody, oh, yeah. we would just contact the Baha'i Assembly and be like, we're here. And they would, and they would be like, they'd be so oh, they'd be like, come stay, they'd find like somewhere, somewhere you just free to stay with. Be, I've, I've traveled the world and Baha'is, the way that they receive like me, no matter where I'm showing up, they're happier to see me than they are to see That's distant so relatives cute. because yeah. they've, they're now looking at brothers that they, a brother that they never knew you know mm-hmm. and that is like a an incredible experience of that yeah, yeah and you're it's right. like a shared a shared experience like a shared understanding mm. that really connects you in a way that's so it's just a really deep connection i don't know how to oh, explain yeah. it really it is it's a that's spiritual really connection cool. yeah that's the way to explain it there you go and it's mutual um Children just—it's natural for them, yeah. you know. Yeah. They have to learn all this yeah. nonsense. They yeah. have to learn it, you know. And uh, so true. I, you know, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I had—I I remember watching the Jungle Book cartoon. The I don't know if you guys are familiar with the oh, yeah, old I cartoon. I, I had such a crush on that characters. girl with the little bindi on her forehead. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at those pretty eyes. You know, that's natural. Year. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> And then they get taught somehow that, oh, they wear a weird thing on their head and they have strange practices. And, you know, and we mm, teach yeah. kids 
innocent children, it's such a crime that we yeah. teach children how to shut their curiosity down yeah. and to replace it with fear and prejudice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stifle their love. You know, oh, it really God. is. Oh, like it's God given. This they're born with it. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I, on it, honestly, I mean, it's a little bit of a subject change, but I have felt, um, especially since being at Belmont, but I feel like Christianity is undergoing some tremendous spiritual mm-hmm. transformation and reforms on a very deep yeah, level. Sure. And then this yeah. next generation gets it. You can, you can be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You're not threatening your beliefs mm-hmm. by embracing the people to your right and to your yeah. left. You actually, right. it's more biblical. It's yeah. more mm-hmm. correct with Jesus, yeah. Yeah. you know, because that's what he did. And he, remember, he stood in front of a prostitute that he had no connection to who's described in the Bible as being non-religious mm-hmm. yeah. to protect her against some religious fanatics. Yeah. Yeah, my, my that best. is the kind of person that he was. Mm-hmm. You know I what know. I mean? My best friend actually at, back home, her parents are um, very strict Coptic Christians mm-hmm. and they're actually like from Egypt. You don't know what that is? It's like Orthodox Christianity. Mm. It's really... Um, at least, I don't know, her parents are very, like, strict and old-fashioned mm-hmm. and, like, very, like, stick to the, the rules and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard for her, and I see it because, like, first of all, she's an immigrant. Like, she's a child of immigrants, so that's hard enough to assimilate that way. But then also, um, like, she's embracing this new idea of Christianity that our generation's mm-hmm. sort of, like, mm-hmm. into. But her parents mm-hmm. are very old-fashioned. Like, they don't want her to have Jewish friends. They don't want her to have gay friends. They don't want her to have... Like, anyone who is not, like, a Christian. Like, that's the only reason we were really allowed to hang out. And it's really hard for her because, like... That's tough. Yeah, she's trying to embrace this. Like, I love everyone. Mm -hmm. I want to welcome people. And she tells them, like, you know, Jesus, like, talked to prostitutes and all. They're like, but you're different. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's it's really, it's hard. Because she's in that gap, that generation gap. Mm -hmm. That is really tough. But that's what's so awesome about having free will it's like if mm, you yeah if you're raised a certain way and there's that inner voice saying I don't believe in this yeah that's when these like that's a powerful moment movements that's, are that's made where you take and, and, and yeah. yeah which which is why I think we're seeing that worldwide yeah. I feel like a lot of like my friends sometimes are asking me like how do you know that like this religion's correct mm-hmm. Like, did you guys ever go through a time like that? Like, am I in, like, the right Mm -hmm. thing? Am I believing the right thing? Am I, like, living my life the way that, like, I'm supposed to? That's a great question. That's a really good question. And, like, if you did, how did you still come back to your faith? So, growing up in Costa Rica with my parents, um, you know, they they became Baha'is, and then they raised us as Baha'is. So we, you know... With this, these teachings, some of the teachings that we've talked about, and prayer being very important, daily prayer, and these things. Um, but then also, I feel like um, they were open enough for us to sort of forge our own path too. So mm-hmm. that involved a lot of like in the mm-hmm. adolescent adolescent years, like going against some of the yeah. teachings. Right. You yeah. know, like yeah. as Baha'is, we're not supposed yeah. to drink, and, mm-hmm. and smoking is 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 kind of is not prohibited but is is really discouraged and mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be doing drugs things like this and harming our body yeah but you know we did some of that you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like you know there was a some kind of i guess they were they were um i don't say they were cool with it i mean they were really my especially my brothers they were Oh my gosh! There were, I remember lots of arguments, yeah, and I remember fights, that and too. this and that, and my mom trying to figure out how to like, mm-hmm. like corral them because they were just really wild and you know very yeah. experimental and just yeah. wanted to go oh, off yeah. and that kind of thing. Oh, so yeah. there was a lot of tension, but at the same time, there was kind of like this general understanding in my family and kind of recognition God, that you yeah. just kind of had to like come at it at your own time. Yeah, and so I. I never had any moments where I was like, oh, am I, is this the right uh, path for me? Um, it was more like I came back to it, like, okay, I'm ready now to sort to, yeah. or realized what was in front of me, like the, the value of, mm. of how I was raised. And mm. because... That is Baha- so much my dad, too. Really? 
just patient and loving. Yeah. No ju- never judged me for a That's second. Really never. It was really it was really amazing lessons to to try to also exemplify now that we're parents and things. It had to be hard to them. Yeah, it's so It's not that hard. it wasn't hard, but they were so just patient hard. and loving always. Yeah, and knowing and having faith yeah. that, like, if you grow up seeing all religion as one progressive religion, they're mm-hmm. all, God's not competing with himself. These religions are all valid, mm-hmm. and they came at specific times in our historical development as, as beings. Like, it just makes sense. It's like, well, then I, yeah, I'm Baha'i, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jew. Like, being a Baha'i means I'm, I believe in all of it. So it was mm-hmm. like, so easy to be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely a Baha'i because makes a lot it of makes sense. sense as opposed mm-hmm. to just saying, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm this, but then I don't believe mm-hmm. in Muhammad or I don't believe in Buddha or I don't believe. This was like, yeah, this, this it just made sense to me. And it, it mm-hmm. really, but it didn't, I didn't really take ownership of it until I was like maybe 17 or 18 so I had to go through this kind of experiment but it was always there and you know I went to to our feasts and I did the activities and things like that and but there was a moment where after I finished high school I I didn't know what I wanted to do like what I wanted to study I was very um very passionate about art and that kind of thing but I didn't I still hadn't accepted that I wanted to be an artist or do art so I was just like ah I'm not gonna do and and so um, I went on a year, what is called a year of service, which a lot of Baha'i youth do um, uh, after high school. Like they'll just take a year off. And I mean, actually a lot of like, Christ- I know a lot of Christians that I yeah. went to school that did the same thing, like missionary work. Mm-hmm. But right, right. Um, this is like service-based. So you travel and, and I had friends that went all over the world, you know, that went into a year here, a year there. And I stayed in Costa Rica, but I went to the southern part of Costa Rica and lived on this indigenous reservation, like out in the jungle. So mm-hmm. it was like, like 15 hours from where my parents, where I grew up. It was out with no electricity, no running water out in the jungle. And, and I had this kind of like Goodness. real sort of spiritual yeah. awakening and, and realized like, oh yeah, what am I doing? Like I need to be really um, owning this path that I'm on. So that was my own personal, mm-hmm. personal kind of That's really cool. moment. Yeah. But I never felt like, this is not right, or never had a question about if I'm, if this is the path. Same thing for me, I never felt like, oh, this isn't right, mm-hmm. because of the the unity that yeah. I came to embrace as a, mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. What's cool is that because we don't have clergy, nobody's like yeah. beating this over yeah. our heads, like you sh- we're, we're taught to learn about it mm-hmm. through our own eyes, like not somebody just telling you this is what the Baha'i faith mm-hmm. is about. My brother, who, of course, was also raised Baha'i, he went through this period where he was like, well, I'm not really following the laws the way that I should as a Baha'i, so I shouldn't even consider myself a Baha'i. So he left, like, he didn't even consider himself a Baha'i for for a couple years. And my parents were just... That was your brother? Yeah, that was my brother. Oh my gosh! So yeah, he was hanging out with us. So and and my parents took it uh, really personally that he was like, "Well, I'm not considering myself Baha'i," and I was like, "Just step back from your egos for a second and listen to what my brother is saying." I think it's amazing that he's the responsible. He's saying I can't consider Mm -hmm. myself this right now because I'm not following these laws. I was like, yeah. don't worry about Aaron. Aaron's one of the smartest people that I know. Yeah. He knows he knows what he's doing. He's doing. Yeah. And so eventually he was, you know, he came he, he, he like started doing some more husband. reading and, and wow. yeah. yeah. Now because I'm in a huge hurry to get this episode out the door I do so with the caveat that it may undergo some revisions in the future. That's always true, but the revisions are a little more likely this time, and they might be more extensive. Also, I can't help but feel I should mention for those of you who don't know that Juliet is the daughter of Jimmy Seals of the rock group Seals and Crofts, and I am the son of Dash Crofts. This is not an important detail for the episode, but to some people it might seem like a strange thing to omit, even though most these days won't remember Seals and Crofts. 
In any case, I'll close out this episode with the voices of our two fathers. In this case, my dad is the one that speaks briefly, and the occasion is The Tonight Show, 1973, two years before I was born. Sweetness of the nectar, a stormy life of fire, I just love you.